Today, Jack, the show is all about you. You're in full control. It's about your favourite area, cap space. So, mate, that's me done. This is all about you. Go. First of all, hello to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Let's talk to Jack Duffin. Let's bring in Jack Duffin. In our Westminster studio is Jack Duffin. Hello and welcome to the first ever Jack's Salary Cap Show, live and exclusive on the Paul Brown Podcast. So we sort of did an intro show, looked at about an hour worth of content where me and Paul discussed where the Browns were salary cap wise and now we're looking at doing a show every week, so it'll be different days each week where I sort of discuss where we're at salary cap wise look at the big moves this week and why they might have been impacted by the salary cap, options we have going forward, and just discussing different topics. So I'll work my way through the roster, discuss different things, how different rooms are developed, and sort of look at the next year's moving forward, what we might do with those rooms, who's a potential cut casualty, and things like that. So... Throughout the shows, you're going to hear me focus more on using percentages. And the key reason why I'll talk a lot more about percentages, because if you just look at, let's say, Tom Brady, we go back to his 2006 contract, which was $13.8 million, And then we look at his contract last year, which was $14 million. So basic logic would say, oh, he got paid more last year than he did back then. But the key thing to note is that in 2006, that 13.8 million was 13.6% of the NFL salary cap. Whereas we come forward 11 years to last year, and that 14 million was only 8.4% of salary cap. So it's really hard to start comparing year to year if you're only looking at that figure. So I'll do my best to slot the figures alongside just because some people prefer to look like that. But I'll always make sure I drop in the cap percentages because it's the most important way to look at the numbers. Um, all the figures I'll be using are provided by overthecap.com. Fantastic pair of chaps that run that. So by all means, go over there, check them out. They've got brilliant breakdowns for the teams. But that's where I get my numbers from. And throughout the shows, whatever bits I'm doing, make sure you get in touch with me via Twitter. It's at Jack Duffin, J-A-C-K-D-U-F-F-I-N, and ask me any questions because I'm looking to do more and more questions each week where I'll be discussing the ideas you put forward, different rooms, how to build them, and stuff like that. If you want some light reading, then I'd encourage you again to go out and get Caponomics Building a Super Bowl Champions by Zach Moore. It's available on Amazon and other places. Fantastic read, and it breaks down what teams do to sort of the balance of that salary cap across a team, how you get the most out of different rooms and just different ideas on roster construction. And there are different routes. It's not just one size fits all, but the options are laid out in there. So there's been no real roster moves this week, provided between me filming this and it going live, nothing happens. You've got sort of Des potentially on the cards, but... I'm not expecting anything. That might happen later on, but who knows. So the roster and the position we're in now. So the NFL salary cap for 
every team in the league this season is 177.2 million. So that's what everyone's got to spend. We've got an extra 60 million we can spend this year because if you don't spend your salary cap, that gets rolled in to next season. And it'll be interesting to know if the next collective bargaining agreement, which is up in a few years, if teams will be allowed to continue rolling over cap because all different things like that, they're all up for discussion. So we could easily see that number taken away, that number reduced, um, only limited rollover. Or they might increase the amount of money that every team has to spend every single year. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. In terms of where we're spending our money at the moment, in total, you're looking at 103% of our um, 103% of the set NFL salary cap we're spending, which we can obviously spend a lot more than that. But the breakdown, I'm just looking at my current roster projections for producing these numbers. So we're looking at the team, we're spending 161 million, that's 91% of the salary cap. And between dead money and injury reserve, you're looking at 21 million, which is 12% of the salary cap. And so anyone who has dead money, which is coming from players, cut, that money is then put on to your salary cap. And anyone that goes on to injury reserve, that money also counts against you. And I break down the roster at the moment. It's my roster projections. But we're looking at three quarterbacks, four in the running back room, including a fullback, six wide receivers, three tight ends, nine offensive linemen, nine D linemen, six linebackers, six cornerbacks, four safeties, a kicker, a punter, and a long snapper. And the reason why I look at that is just by looking at other teams in the NFL, those using sort of a 4-3 defense, you've generally got, they are the average numbers most teams come out with. So while we might see teams set up differently, and I'll discuss that in a future episode, this is sort of, let's just call it the average. And... Um, until we know what cut-down day looks like, I'm going to continue working with these numbers. So, just one person in the news I want to discuss this week, and he might have signed by now on waivers, he might have signed by nobody, but fingers crossed, Dorsey will make this move. It's Obi Melafondwu, and I've probably got that wrong, so I will apologise already. He was drafted last year, by the Oakland Raiders in the second round. Many people had him rated as the fourth best strong safety in the draft. Very impressive talent. Suffered a lot with injuries. There's some questions over whether does he really love the game. And the one advantage of us being awful last season is that we've got the first choice on waivers. So his contract this season is a million, next, which is 0.6%. And it doesn't really go up much more the two years after that. So I'd say a contract like that level, it's worth taking a punt on it. Because worst comes to worst, if we try him out and don't like him, we could probably waive him again and someone else might grab that contract. So we're in a position, having lost all our games last season, that we've got this advantage of waivers. So let's use it. We've found some good players on the waivers in past. You've had people like Mike Jordan, who is on the roster bubble this year. I believe BBC came through the waiver system after being 
um, moved on by the Jaguars. So there's opportunities out there. Let's embrace it, grab him. And you're seeing the NFL and a team like the Eagles play about 70% of their snaps last season in a nickel package. Whereas um, Greg Williams has been very keen to always have three linebackers out there on the field. I'd say the way we sort of mirror them up, if that's what he wants to do. Melifon was talked about how he'd prefer to play linebacker than prefer to play um, in the secondary. Would be drop him in as a linebacker. Whether you've got Kindred, Peppers or Obi, then get two of them on the field at all times. Because you've just got so much quality there that they can drop into safety, they can rush the passers. And one thing we really struggled with as a team last year is dealing with tight ends and having sort of linebackers that could play well in coverage. And people like Peppers, Kindred and Obi are more suited to that coverage side. So you can have your Averys and your Kendricks there just to rush the passer. But mix it up. Bring him in, I say, is such a small cap risk at 0.6% of the NFL salary cap. He gives us a massive benefit. And if he doesn't work out, move him on. Another team might pick him up and it might cost us nothing. So I'd say it's worth taking the risk. And let's see what happens. The main thing I want to discuss this week is the quarterback room. It's the most important position if you speak to anyone, in all of sports. So how do you get the most out of it? I'd say the growing consensus now is to have a three-quarterback room, and you're seeing more and more teams do it. And there's three very distinct roles within the quarterback room. The most obvious is the starter. You're there to play games, win games, and the Cleveland Browns this year, that's Tyrod Taylor. He's there just on a one-year deal, so there's no real belief that he'll be there more than this year. He'd need to, I'd say, win a playoff game for them to consider giving him another year. Um, or Baker Mayfield completely blows up, um, which I don't think is going to happen, but it gives you options moving forward. You've then got the mentor, the backup, and that's obviously Drew Stanton. You've got people like Chase Daniels in the league and... People like Breeze, even at the highest level of quarterbacks, have come out and said, look, having someone like that in your corner who, when you come off the field, you can speak to them, is an important element. And also, it's a solid backup, because you're going to get injuries. And look at what Nick Foles was able to do in two games at the Eagles last year. Yeah, it's not a player you want playing every snap, as he showed you in pre-season. But at the same time, you don't want to get one injury at quarterback and suddenly your entire season's over and you're doing what the Vikings did a couple of years ago and trading a first-round pick for someone like Sam Bradford. You don't want to be in that desperate situation. So always spend a few million, have that quality back up there just to improve your room. And the third and probably most intriguing part of the room is your youngster. Well, the backup and mentor won't need many snaps in practice and won't take up too much time, you've got a youngster that you always want to be readying because if you can get a youngster that turns out to be good, let's look at Jimmy Garoppolo for an instance, barely played any games and there was offers of a first round pick, they took a second round pick in the end, 
but there's massive value of pick up someone on day three of the NFL draft. I believe every year, unless you've got a youngster that you can believe, you honestly believe could be your starting quarterback of the future, then move him on and draft another one in the fifth, sixth or seventh round of a draft because most likely whoever that youngster is isn't going to make the team and most sixth and seventh round draft picks don't end up making the team anyway. So it's a small risk worth making to keep that options open and who knows, there was a guy that wears number 12 for the New England Patriots who's drafted in the sixth round and it worked out alright for them. So while you're never looking for that youngster to become your future. If you're desperate, then you've got to get that quarterback in the first round. But every year, I'd say you go out and just use a late day three pick and take a punt. Because when that punt works out, you're going to be in a fantastic position. And just looking at Drew Stanton's contract, I've got a few years on him. We've got two years, and it's two and a half million. Um, cap hit this year which is 1.4% of cap and next year is 4 million it's 2.1% cap hit and it's such small figures when if you think you've got Tyrod Taylor on 16 million this year and then he's gone next year so if you looked at adding Baker Mayfield and Drew Stanton's contract with potentially a let's say sixth round draft pick you could be looking at Baker Mayfield next year, 3.9% of cap, so 7.4 million. If you add Drew Stanton on 4 million at 2.1, and let's just find a late pick. Let's, let's see what Broby, Brogan Roback, is on. He's on 480,000, just over that, this year. So that comes to 0.3% of cap. So if you're looking next year at 0.3% of cap, 3.9, 2.1, that is a bit of quick maths here, 6.3%. So 6.3% is a tiny amount of spending on the quarterback room. When you look at some of these teams are spending an insane amount of money on not very good players. And it's a big risk teams take. So we'll just flip over and look at sort of the top of the quarterback class. Matt Ryan, I would say, is a good quarterback. Had an amazing year two years ago, but he's not exceptional. And next year he's going to be on 12% of the NFL salary cap. 22.8 million. And would you rather have a Baker Mayfield, Drew Stanton sort room where you can go and spend another... 15 million on other parts of your team, improving the wide receiver room and doing other things? Or are you going to bet it all on Matt Ryan? And I would say the uh, Falcons are in a dangerous position just relying on Matt Ryan because if he's not MVP style level, they're not winning a Super Bowl. They'll might scrape it to the playoffs, but that's all they're getting. And you've sort of, you've got to compare yourself to the best. So, if Tom Brady this year is on such a small amount in the grand scheme of things, he's on 12.4%. So if you're going 
he's on 12.4%. If your quarterback's not as good as Tom Brady, you can't be spending more than 12.4%. So you could argue Aaron Rodgers probably should earn more, but no one else should come close to it. So let's say your team spends 14%. That extra 1.6% you're spending more might mean you have worse O-line, worse wide receivers, and that little bit of damage there can have a massive impact on your overall team. So just looking back to this year and what I'd sort of set a target for the quarterback room. So amongst your three quarterbacks, I'd be looking at spending 13% of the NFL salary cap. So if you're looking at 10% on your starter, it's sort of the highest end you want to be. And then you've sort of got a backup that you're looking to spend 2% on because they're important and you don't want to risk your franchise on one player getting injured. And then you've spent about half a percent on your th third stringer, your youngster with a bit of potential. You'll have a bit of dead cap there with the other half a percent because when you move on from some of these people, you might end up with a few thousand in dead cap, but that's fine. It's worth the risk that if you take a uh, day three uh, quarterback, they look quite good, and then you trade them up for a third round pick after they've given you several years of being a solid backup. So the options are there, and it's just getting people to think, what do you want from your quarterback room? And I'd say you want two people that could be competent people in the NFL. And you've got to look, Drew Stanton had a winning record last season when he came in to a quite poor franchise after injuries. So I would say there's a lot of upside there. Hold the faith and see what happens. And be interesting to see. So once Tyrod moves on after this season, Baker steps up into the starter role. Stanton's got one more year. And I, I could easily see Stanton staying here for a little while unless we draft a youngster and then they start looking like the real deal. And it's important to get snaps for them youngsters because I'll go back to the Giants. They were telling everyone, we're really confident We've got a future to Eli Manning. And as we as Browns fans saw during that preseason game, Davis Webb is not a quarterback. Um, I don't know what they've seen in him to believe that they could turn the reins over to him. But Davis Webb isn't good. Cole Letter, on the other hand, I think might be a promising player. But he's not in a position to start yet. And if Eli Manning goes down, and to be fair, Eli Manning hasn't produced great numbers recently, the team's got nothing. You're not going to be able to run the ball every snap with Barkley. So create options and see what you can produce. But I'll accept on the other end, if you find a Rodgers, a Brady, you pay them whatever it takes to keep them because they are unique players. And most NFL franchises spend year after year after year searching for that amazing quarterback and they end up just cutting players, refusing to draft talent around them and have a bad franchise. So I'd say the key thing you need to do, build a franchise that doesn't rely on having an amazing quarterback because the odds are you're never going to find one. You're not going to have like, let's look at Andrew Luck. The Indianapolis Colts got very lucky when they drafted Andrew Luck. How often in a draft do they say there's a locked-on player that could easily be a future Hall of Famer? 
it's very rare. They got lucky with luck, and they were onto something. But suddenly, Andrew Luck gets injured, and the rest of that roster is awful. So it's important to have the balance of, while a standout quarterback can be really, really good, never rely on your quarterback papering over all the cracks in your team. So draft smart and build that franchise. So thank you very much, guys, for listening. I'll be covering the running back room next week and any questions. Fire in the questions. I've already got a few come in, but um, more always welcome. My Twitter account is at Jack Duffin, J-A-C-K-D-U-F-F-I-N. Massive thank you for Paul for letting me do this weekly show. I'm amazed first time we did this there weren't more complaints. I expected the complaints pile to be high, but there was lots of positive feedback. So anything you want to hear me discuss, let me know. I'll work through a different room every week and continue to chat to you guys. So thank you very much. Have a good week and let's go brownies. It ain't about the- oh,